me, Clayton Book here, broker with PSR Brokerage. And when you buy, sell, or lease your next property with me, I'll donate 5% to CIUT on your behalf. Find out more at movewithclay.com. From the roots up, CIUT 89.5 FM, Toronto. Trouble so hard, ooh, Lord, trouble so hard. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. And welcome to a whole new year on the Radical Reverend Show. Um, yes, you've heard my voice before, but sadly, and I apologize, they were repeat shows. Today is not. We are very alive. I want to thank Riley on the other side of the glass, in case I forget later in the show, for being here. Uh, the weather is terrible in the city today, as you are all experiencing. And we have our A-list uh, guests here on Left Lefter leftist the first left lefter leftist show of 2024 we've got emma wakelin uh former liberal strategist and now a wonderful just strategist right? <laughs> yeah. and we've got alex grant uh uh who is was an editor and is still a, a consummate journalist um activist on the left and so here we are, folks. Uh, you're listening to the only place where you can hear something like this. That's um, becoming increasingly rare. Um, we're going to start off with the city, and then we're going to move out from there. Olivia Chow, new mayor, not not there for very, very long, seems to be getting stuff done, uh, has just announced uh, that they're having budget consultations. And, uh, and for some, the specter of increased property taxes, for others, maybe a plus. Emma, what do you think? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting. So the, the, the budget chief, Shelley Carroll, announced yesterday that, she, uh, or not yesterday, sorry, last week, that the city was looking at a 10.5% property tax increase. In addition um, to what they're referring to as a federal um, asylum surtax of another 6%, so the city could be looking at almost 17% uh, tax increase, and obviously that is um, raising the hackles across um, the, the, the usual suspects. But what's interesting to me is that there seems to be a growing Right now it's a shadow war, but it, it looks like it might be turning into more of a of an on war between the federal Liberal caucus and the mayor's office. Um, today on another radio station, Yvonne Baker, the Liberal MP for Etobicoke, um, kind of took some harsh words against the mayor and the, the tax increase um, and um, shirked any responsibility of the federal government for the the funding of uh, housing for asylum seekers that predominantly come to Toronto. And pres- and that's federal, right? Am well, I, I mistaken? Would, <laughs> you would <laughs> think so. Was. You would think yeah. so that the, listen, at the end of the day, who comes into the country and, you know, you can have the argument whether it's too many or, or too few, that's not the argument right now. There are people who are coming here to, to this country seeking asylum far more than there were ever before. And 
ultimately who crosses the border is a federal responsibility. And saying that once somebody crosses the border, then it becomes a city or solely a city or a, or a provincial matter is, is just frankly quite wrong. And I don't think any Canadian uh, voter is going to fall for it. Taxes, raising them good, good or bad, Alex? Neither. Um, <clears throat> so Toronto is in a completely untenable situation. Toronto has been underfunded and undersupported by all levels of government and then under right-wing mayors, Tory, Ford, have been progressively uh, uh, allowed things to erode, have uh, not kept up with the uh, needs of the revenue of the city. So Toronto has a 1.8 billion annual budget hole. One point, and, and then the sort of structural budget hole is like 40 billion or something like that over a decade or something. And so there's two solutions of this on, on, on the internal Toronto basis. You either have massive cuts or tax hikes, right? If you're just looking at the city of Toronto and uh, given the choice, well, I'm, I'm utterly opposed to cuts. And there are very few cuts in this uh, uh, Olivia Chow budget. And so that's to be commended. But she's playing a very dangerous game with the 10.5 or 16.5 tax increase and could have a anti-tax backlash. This does give a platform to the right wing to organise yeah. against Olivia Chow. That, that's the real danger. And so with... The money needs to come from a totally different funding arrangement from the province and the feds. And, and so if, if my criticism of Chow is actually to say, look, OK, good that you're not cutting. Uh, they are cutting, uh, what is it, uh, clearing people's driveways in, of snow. So uh, that, that's one thing they're cutting. That's a small cut. But uh, they're mostly not uh, going on a war path like a right wing uh, government would. City government no, and at the end of the day, the, the yeah. city is is funded to the bones. Like, it, yes, you can't cut any is. further. Um, and you're right, there's only two choices here. Because unlike the federal government or the provincial government, cities can't um, borrow money. They can't um, raise bonds like the, the other levels of government do. So they're, they're stuck. They either cut or they have to the pay. And, and traditionally, over the last 10, 15 years, the, they've been able to take money from capital um, funds and capital uh, reserves, which... There's just not any money anymore. So I, I would say the you're right. The, the putting this amount of tax increase uh, is a is a big risk on behalf of the mayor because it it allows sort of the right wing or the more conservative councillors to to have a, a cause to to start chipping away at that enormous um, approval rating she has, and in picking a fight with the feds. It, it also gives the conservatives a way out so that they can they can both oppose a tax increase and also say well it's also the federal government's fault as well so they can they can put the blame both on the feds and the, and, and, and the mayor it's it's a very dangerous game and, and I can see that if she's going to push this um, tax increase out she's going to have to use the strong mayor's powers because the the more moderate uh, councillors who represent, say, a, a Toronto St. Paul's or a, a Willowdale or or such, they're they're going to be pushed to oppose this. Um, just to weigh in here, as a, as a, a property owner and taxpayer, I'm one of the you know, 
lucky boomer folk, um, uh, I have to say, go for it. <laughs> Raise my taxes. <laughs> um, uh, quite frankly, I mean, first of all, we're, we are undertaxed in this city. People don't realize that if, if they live in downtown Toronto, but 905ers pay way more than we do. Um, I just came back from, I'm going to sound really privileged now, from <laughs> going to pick California to visit relatives. And they pay double the taxes that we do in, in California cities um, based on their house values. So, um, so it's time and we need it. And look around the city. I mean, homelessness is a crisis. Um, talk about shoveling snow. I mean, cleaning the streets would be nice occasionally. Um, you know, the city's in many ways kind of uh, in, a, in a bad state and we need the money. Um, but you're both right to, to your points. So absolutely needs to be supported uh, by the feds and the province um, because the city, the city cannot. Uh, and it's the end, you know, face it, we're one of the engines of the economy of this country. So, um, you know, there was a there was a thought, you know, that people were playing with for a while there of just, you know, we should become our own province because we're, quite frankly, bigger than some of the provinces population-wise. Well, the GDP of this city is about a third to 25, 25% to a third of the entire country's GDP. This is not, this is not Barrie, which, listen, I'm from Barrie and I love Barrie, but Barrie is, is not the driver of the Canadian economy, Toronto is. And if we, if we let Toronto wither on the vine, it's not good for the entire economy. Well, one of my criticisms of Chow is that she's too nice and that... She, she's trying to do a deal with everybody. She got, she got uh, a deal with uh, Doug Ford, and he's tr trying to do that. Well, she's got to have a mobilize people to really, really get uh, a movement to demand a fair deal from the Liberals and pre be prepared to take, uh, take on established interests. In fact, you want to know where there's money? There's $1.2 billion in the police budget. $1.2 billion in the police budget. And guess what? The city did wide-scale consulta consultations. Over 10,000 people came out. 43% said cut the police budget. That was the feedback. And Chow could be mobilizing that 43%, could be mobilizing that opinion. There's $1.2 billion in the, in the COP budget. That's where you get the cash. Um, okay. Let us move on. I, I actually think she'll get away with it. I think she'll raise her taxes and get away with it. Why? Because it's early in her term. And I think people have short memories <laughs> politically and will forget all about this, hopefully, um, by the time they go to vote. Um, anyway. Yeah, maybe. and they will have taken their anger out. <laughs> Listen, there's going to be a, uh, both a federal and provincial election between yeah. uh, the next uh, municipal election. So a lot of people are going to be taking their anger out on two different uh, levels of government. So yeah. we'll see. And, and actually, I think, you know, in, in our tradition as a province and a city, if, if we end up with Polyev, and we'll talk about him next maybe, um, uh, as a prime minister, uh, she'll see, we'll, we'll vote, that will work to get her reelected, I think, in this city. Although the danger is there's about a dozen, uh, there was a Toronto Star article this morning that identified about a dozen ridings that could flip, that should scare the, the feds into helping the city. But I would argue that most of those will probably go to the conservatives. Yeah. Sadly. Okay, um, and now that we've shown our cards here at Left, Left, or Leftist, here, that's what you're listening to. Uh, the Radical Reverend Show here coming to you live in 2024. And uh, we are talking, as we always do, politics. Let's, let's move to the federal side. Oh, before we move, we got, I almost skipped over the province. We cannot do that. Staples. 
When you think staples taking over government functions, Alex, I'll go to you first on this. What do you think? It's a sweetheart deal, right? And it's great for staples, right? They, all, all, the, all the people who have to renew their driver's license are now going to do some shopping at staples. And, and, um, and what's more, it's a way to uh, get minimum wage non-union employees uh, do, doing what is important uh, public sector work. So uh, instead of contracting out, instead, instead of privatizing, instead of uh, low poverty wages, there needs to be decent union jobs, not just in the public sector, but in the private sector. And so, so this is uh, something we should be opposed. Just a context here, if you haven't uh, followed the news, um, this is the latest of, of Doug Ford's really privatization measures. Um, and it, it's also, um, it also should, I think, have the attention of the Integrity Commissioner and the RCMP, um, because, uh, you know, Staples and the Ford family have been in many ways kind of business partners in the, in the past. Um, so this is uh, moving what was a public service from publicly owned spaces to um, setting up shop in a private store, um, chain of them. Emma. Well, I, I mean, the biggest shock to me is that he, he's saying stables and not Shoppers Drug Mart, because that seems to be everything else that he wants to, to, to shove through. But Alex is right. This is a sweetheart deal for, for Staples. It, uh, as we know, brick-and-mortar retail um, uh, operators face uh, a lot of challenges. Now, suddenly, Staples will have the provincial government paying a huge portion of their, their rents or their leases, um, and uh, they can shunt... Uh, some of the cost of their their um, staffing to to the province. I want to know if 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 a, st- a staple staff member is staffing Service uh, Ontario, will they also be? Can you get their help picking out a new printer? Will they be doing <laughs> double double uh, duty or double dipping? Um, so that's the thing. Are we now paying subsidizing staples to do their business? Um, but it's uh, it, it's atrocious, and the the other worry is the hours uh, of operation. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been to a Staples recently, but sometimes they're they're ten to to five, ten to six. So, um, are you going to be able to get your health card uh, renewed if you want to go after five p.m. like you can on some Service Ontario's services? I don't know. I mean, this is par for the course with the Ford administration, of course. So we've seen Ontario Place uh, being sold off. Um, that's still <laughs> happening. Um, then apparently they put up barriers um, uh, around it now, so it's hard to even get into the property, which apparently we should own, but we don't really. Um, so we've seen that happen. We've seen privatization in healthcare. You mentioned shoppers, Emma, of course. Um, um, I was one of the unlucky few who had to pay like almost $300 for an RSV uh, vaccination because even prescribed by my doctor didn't make any difference. Um, so this they're now charging for what should be free. Um, and uh, so there's that. Um, healthcare, let's, let's talk about that for a minute because the news just keeps getting worse. Alex, healthcare in the province of Ontario. Just perpetual understaffing. Uh, cr- yeah, utter. Yeah, that's the biggest crisis right now is understaffing, right? Uh, with the yeah, there is. W- when you mentioned healthcare, I was thinking we're like, okay, what's new to talk about? Because there's a perpetual ongoing crisis, but the the, the new part of constituent part of the crisis is really the understaffing in nurses, in uh, in uh, support staff, uh, and and it's not it's not just pay. It is pay. It's not just pay. And it's also lack of training, uh, lack of, you know, 
all across the board. And yes, and, that, and this becomes the classic right-wing method of a justification for privatization. You underfund the public system so much that people think, well, okay, if I'm going to get decent service, I've got to get private, I've got to go to the States, I've got to do something like that. When in fact, fund the system, you've got to fund the system. And the billionaires are making, and the corporations are making billions and billions of profit. Uh, you need to, the money is there, it's just, it's with the 1%. And, and just uh, in context, uh, if they're after, and they seem to be after, you know, kind of American-style healthcare delivery system, and uh, Americans, that's the most expensive healthcare one in the world, uh, and they, you know, again, and, and, and millions of Americans don't have coverage at all. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there was the shocking revelation by CBC that uh, the private clinics for a number of things are getting paid. Uh, in their staff getting paid hugely more than in the public um, classic case. And I had uh, Ontario Health Coalition on the show, um, uh, you know, and towards the end of 2023, and they were talking about, for example, cataract surgery, which um, $500 is what, um, what I was told uh, it costs the public or what they're paid in the public system. 5000 is what is charged in a public, and that's happening as we speak. So if you walked in, um, and and I, I knew a person who did this, and, and in the private clinic, they said, well, you can wait for six months to have your cataracts removed, um, but you can get them done much better right here. And um, as Ontario Health Coalition pointed out, it's exactly the same operation. <laughs> it's just privatized. Emma Healthcare, the province of Ontario. Yeah, it, it's the, the standard conservative playbook. Um, Alex is exactly right. And they've been doing it since the Mike Harris years. Uh, John Snowblin famously talked about creating a crisis in education. And they've been doing it uh, ever since uh, Doug Ford got elected. But the, the ultimate thing, too, is it, it's we can't just put pin it all on Doug Ford. I'm going to sound like I'm some sort of anti-liberal um, <laughs> strategist here, but the feds have to step up as well. The, again, um, Canada we, Health Act. Canada Health Act. But uh, ultimately, the, 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 the federal liberals, the federal government has decided to increase um, uh, levels of immigration. Uh, last year, 1.25 million people uh, came to Canada. Seventy-five percent of that being uh, foreign students, and that does put pressure on the healthcare. So, if the feds, um, I mean, there's great arguments that that is that is important to our society, and of course, I'm not arguing that. But if you have to do the investments, um, and part of that is is healthcare. If if we're adding a million people a year onto an already stretched uh, healthcare system, we have to support that. And whether it's the the the, the federal government has to the step up housing asylum seekers they also have to the the, the raise the, the amount of money they give the provinces to to the healthcare systems we didn't talk about housing we should probably give a nod to that before we move on from the province um uh people i mean it's been a pretty mild winter all in all but today isn't and we're looking at a few weeks of uh minus uh you know zero temperatures uh people are going to freeze to death on the streets if something doesn't happen um I, I remember, like I'm old enough to remember when, um, you know, we, we declared this a national emergency with far less numbers on the street than we do now. Um, who wants to jump in on that? Like what needs to happen right away? Like Olivia Chow's talked about warming centers and warming centers aren't 
housing people. Um, St. Stephen's down in Colley Street, um, you know, the police went in and moved all the tents yeah. away because it was a, you know, fire hazard, probably was, but, you know, where, did, where do folk go? Um, and apparently the tents are now coming back again. Alex? Well, in, in Edmonton, they, they had a violent police crackdown on, on the tents. And just like a week ahead of minus 50 weather. It, it's just inhuman. It is utterly inhuman. And, and the same thing is happening everywhere. And, that, and yes, and, and to link it with the previous budget uh, discussion, you've got a lot of refugees who are using the shelters. And we need to house people. There needs to be a mass movement for public housing, non-profit housing, social housing, co-op housing. And it needs to happen yesterday. Uh, because market housing has not provided a solution and uh, and the the province and the feds aren't providing the support no and in the 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 how the, the the premier was talking earlier this year about the need to to build about a million homes a year just to catch up well in 10 years we've never built 10 million or uh, 1 million homes uh, it's ridiculous to think that we'd be able to do that in one year and and again we are Increasing our population a million to every year, it's, it's unsustainable. There's basic math. Yes, we can talk about the causes of, of health shortages and what the, the answers are to fix them. We absolutely should have those debates. But at the end of the day, the arithmetic is not adding up, and it's going to cost the lives of tens, if not hundreds of people uh, this year. And it's, it's criminal, and it's disgusting. Let's move federally. Um, by the way, you are listening to the Radical Reverend Show here. It's great to be back and be very live. Um, always love your feedback and your comments. I always answer you. I'm easy to find. Sherry DeNovo, C-A-G-R-I-D-I-N-O-V-O, all over social media. So you can always DM me or get in touch with me with stuff. And of course, I know that fundraising's over, but hey... You know, nobody's going to stop you from donating if you want to do that, too. And thanks to all who did donate uh, in uh, the end of 2023. Um, federally, um, Poiliev just uh, woke up today to a new poll that came out that shows he is leading with youth. Um, that's, I mean, he's leading generally in the polls, but with youth? Um, and he's on a rally around the country, um, you know, ranting about the carbon tax. Um Youth and Polyev, who wants to jump in on this one? Yeah, well, and this is a big shift. This is a big shift. For example, in the 2015 election, Stephen Harper was fourth amongst youth behind the Green Party and the Liberals and the NDP. Right. Uh, typically, the Conservatives relied upon a boomer vote and a retiree vote that would vote twice as often as young people and and didn't care about young people, but Polyev, it's in saying, Canada is broken. He says Canada is broken, and if you d and he's got libertarian answers for it. You know, it's sort of like you, you let the invisible hand of the free market solve everything, and get away the gatekeepers, and uh, you scratch the surface. It's like meaningless rhetoric, but that means massive privatization and. Uh, attacks on every sort of marginalized community but it's he's say, he's recognizing the crisis and nobody else's the liberals liberals liberal position is 
yeah, Canada isn't broken. Canada's just fine when it's not just fine. And, and the NDP are riding the coattails of the Liberals. So, of course, if you're a young person who recognises that everything's broken, because it is for young people especially, then the only person who's recognising that is Polyev. And so un unless, you know, well, I, I don't see the NDP breaking from the, uh, the Liberals anytime soon. And, but uh, we're, we're looking at a Polyev victory and Trump in the South and Polyev in Canada, it's going to be bleak. Um. Now, the NDP, I think, are trying to talk about more meat and potatoes economic issues. Um, but I can understand from their strategic point of view, if they take away support from the Liberals, we're going to have an election tomorrow and probably is going to get a massive majority. Um, there's kind of, I think, a, I mean, maybe it's a faint hope, but the hope is there that we turn the tables in the next year. Emma? Yeah, it, 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 listen, there are... It is very difficult for a young person to be hopeful. We, the job situation is worsening by the month. The housing situation is, is, is just atrocious. If you're a young person now, you've given up the, the, the dream of ever owning your own home. And now the, 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 the hope is being lost. You'll ever be able to get an affordable apartment and live on your own, let alone with six other people. So there has never been a time where youth being, um, disillusioned and uh, losing hope has turned out well for society. It is very easy to, to turn hopelessness into anger and anger into action. And that is what Polyev is doing right now. He is turning hopelessness into anger. And that anger is going to start um, being turned towards immigration. Like we've talked, I've talked today about um, the dangers that the Liberal government has, has caused by dramatically increasing immigration, which is Great, but have some answers to that. Because what Polyev is starting to say is all immigration is, is the cause of all of our evil. Immigration is bad. And that's going to turn very ugly very shortly. He's already turning, um, uh, talk about the carbon tax uh, in, into the something that is causing the hardships. So, of course, he doesn't have any answers. No one, he won't have any answers other than, as Alex said, cutting and, and turning uh, marginalized communities against each other. And um, the Liberals are sitting on their hands. They st they're acting like the Sunny Ways philosophy that they won the 2015 election is still, uh, still the, um, the, the, the way of, 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 of the present. And they're resting on the laurels of doing an okay job uh, during the, the pandemic. Well, those days are long gone. The, the attitudes of 2021 may as well have been a decade ago because the, the world is completely different than what it is now and it is turning very ugly very quickly and if the, if the federal Liberal Party and the federal NDP do not start uh, recognizing that and pivoting, Polyev is going to win Mulroney levels of, of seats in next year. Um, a, a frightening specter to this person. Uh, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show here on CIET 89.5 FM. Um, the question just arose as you were speaking, Emma and, and Alex, that, yeah, but, um, yeah, getting angry youth going. I mean, looking at uh, uh, looking at our tech, Riley, who has a show about student revolution, um, you know, why isn't it moving left? Why right? Uh, maybe on that note, um, hold that in your, your minds for a bit. We're going to just take a very brief break, and we will be back on the Left Lefter Leftist panel.
mother got us living suicide singing oh my oh my god and my mother got us living genocide singing oh my oh my god and my mother got us living suicide singing oh my oh my god oh my god slam bam come unseen but like gasoline you could tell i'm in the tank like money in the bank I smell appealing, but I'm toxic and send you reeling without an inkling. Keep you thinking, cause you gave cash to the feds if your school district for dead messed you up in the head. But still they saying nothing's wrong, selling firewater by outlawing the bomb. Still believing the system is working, where half of my people are still out of working. Anonymous notes left in the pockets and coats of judges and juries from Frisco to Jersey. Threats and protests, politicians, mob debts, trumped up charges and phony arrests. Stage a lethal injection the night before the election. Cause he got donation from the prison guards union. Oh my, oh my God. He and my mother got us living suicide singing. Oh my, oh my God. He and my mother got us living genocide singing. Oh my, oh my God. He and my mother got us living suicide singing. Oh my. My God, my God. Listening to my stethoscope on a rope. Internal lullabies, human cries, thumps in silence, the language of violence. Algorithmic, cataclysmic, seismic, biorhythmic. You can make a life longer, but you can't save it. You can make a clone, and then you try to enslave it. Stealing DNA samples from the unborn. And then you coming after us because we sampled a James Brown horn. Scientists whose God is progress Four-headed sheep is their latest project The CIA running like they're Jones from Indiana But they still won't talk about that Jones in Guyana This ain't no cartoon, no one slips on bananas Do you really think that their car killed Diana? Hell, I shot Ronald Reagan, I shot JFK I slept with Marilyn, she sung me happy birthday My, oh my God Yeah, my mother got us living suicide singing Oh my, oh my God Yeah, my mother got us living genocide singing Oh my, oh my God Yeah, my mother got us living suicide singing Oh my, oh my God Oh my God And we say na, 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 na Na, 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 na Na, 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 na And we say na, na Well, politicians got lipstick on the collar. The whole media started to holler. But I don't give a damn who they screwing in private. I want to know who they screwing in public. Robbing, cheating, stealing, white collar criminal, McDonald eating. You deserve a beating. Send your home weeping with the fat bill for your Caribbean weekend. For just about anything, they can bust us false advertising, saying holes. Welcome back to the Radical Reverend Show here. Um, and it's, it's the left, left, or leftist panel, first of 2024. Uh, just the first, never the last. Um, we, we left uh, the conversation talking about youth and uh, the youth vote going conservative instead of going left, which uh, one hopes. And uh, I'm going to get uh, some feedback from our tech, who is actually young, Riley Mormon, um, who has a, his own show on student revolution. So Riley, when you hear this talk, what, do you, what are you thinking? Oh, well, it's exactly right. It's 
it does not surprise me even a little bit that people are going to Polyev. Terrible policy solutions, but it does not surprise me at all because he's the only candidate who's saying, you know, maybe something's wrong. And there's a lot of ways that that can be turned into anger and that anger, if it's turned into action, can be resolved helpfully and actually make the world a better place. But all of his solutions so far have been turning that anger against things that people themselves can't really take action about, where it's like things like immigration, like that's a policy issue. You can't change that. But if you get angry enough about it, then we get back to the good old days of attacking immigrants whenever they show up. And it's just it's just a nightmare. Uh, and, and Riley, uh, just to kind of follow along, I, first of all, we should find out who was that song that we played halfway through? That was Oh My God by Michael Franti. Okay. Um, and it, just, you know, from your point of view here, what's what's missing on the left that the left hasn't captured this anger and turned it in a direction anti-conservative? What's missing there? I really think there's just some initiative missing from the NDP and from leftist politicians because there's a lot of talk about what's wrong, but there's no one really just going at it where the NDP could collapse the government whenever they want to. And it might not be politically expedient to, but they could force through a lot more than the compromises they forced through. Olivia Chow has strong mayor power. She could do whatever she wants. She could force through rent controls tomorrow and no one could stop her. Okay, thanks for that. Um, rent controls, I think that's provincial though, isn't it, Emma? Uh, it well, basically everything municipal is because the the, mm-hmm. the premier can take uh, a mayor's or a, a city council's powers away one by one because they are ultimately just agencies of the provincial government. So, I mean, Riley's right. The mayor has extraordinary powers right now, and she can she can use them. But at the end of the day, the premier can take uh, those away and enforce decisions on the city, and he's done it in the past. And we all know the the mayor hates or sorry, the premier hates the mayor. Uh, and sometimes I wonder if the premier hates the city. So um, there's only so much the the, pre, uh, the mayor herself and and the council uh, is is going to be able to fix the, the issues of Toronto, but without the other levels of of government taking initiative. But Raleigh's point is is well taken in the sense that there's no voice out there coming from the left that's really kind of galvanizing youth. Alex, yeah. There, there needs to be well. There needs to be rent control on the unit, not on the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, there needs to be free education, right? There needs to be like actually getting back to the housing issue. Well, you've got the the federal liberals are now starting to blame uh, foreign students, and the conservatives are jumping on that bandwagon. And that's not too far a road until you get into anti-immigrant racist. Uh, politics and the solution you're, you're either blaming immigrants or you're building non-profit non-market supply that's what needs to happen canada is a big country if you hadn't noticed and the trouble is is private ownership of of the land and of the construction and so let's let's build those sort of i think it's something like three and a half million houses have to be built to accommodate uh, a new population but it it needs to be non-market so it's affordable and it actually gets done i mean they're also the issue and just i mean can close on on housing here um quickly but um i i 
you know, some 65,000 empty units um, um, that are just being held as a kind of passive investments. I mean, the fact that they may or may not be rented is beside the point. People know that real estate goes up a certain predictable amount, and they're just in- using it as an investment um, tool rather than as housing. And, and not to mention all our empty commercial space now since COVID and people working more from home, etc. So there is space out there already that we could be using better. Just throwing that out there. We're um, on the left, left, or leftist panel here with Emma Wakelin, um, who um, was a liberal strategist in the provincial government, and Alex Grant, who is a journalist and writer and activist, and yours truly, uh, Sherry DeNovo, host of the show. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's move on a little globally now. Uh, before we do that, we should mention we lost Ed Broadbent. Um, this last week, um, a formidable uh, face of uh, uh, social democratic politics in this country. Um, any any comments about his demise? Uh, well, I mean, a giant in Canadian politics for sure. And and I speak as someone who did not uh, was not a member of his party and was not a supporter. But um, I, I have nothing but respect for uh, Mr. Broadbent and um, the fact that he was the voice of, of consciousness in the 80s when when the Liberals were in the wilderness and uh, the Mulroney government was in power. Um, yeah, I, I, again, I just, uh, I have a lot of respect and, and of course, uh, um, my best wishes to his family and his, his friends. I also started the Broadband Institute, which was a kind of, hopefully kind of think tank um, uh, answer to some of the Fraser Institutes and others like them in the right-wing world. Alex Broadbent. Yes, Ed Broadbent, definitely a a really important figure in Canadian politics and a consistent social democrat. And and that was the mission of the Broadbent Institute and Press Progress, which has put out some very good articles. And, 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 And I thought, okay, how do you talk about the dead? Right. There's this, well, don't speak ill of the dead. And about, I, I, I believe in a, a respectful sort of appraisal of the genuine life of a person. That uh, So I think uh, Ed Broadbent was a social democrat as opposed to a revolutionary socialist is what, what I am. And, and I think uh, if, if you see what he said, he actually did a bit quite interesting sort of interview with uh, the CBC a couple of months ago where he's talked about the need for a mixed economy and a need for unions, and 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 I agree. Sort of, like, uh, I'm with him on the on the unions, but the fact that trying to mix public ownership and capitalism it leads you to all sorts of compromises. So he did some. Uh, so he stood with Tommy Douglas against the War Measures Act in the 1970s, but then he also, with the repatriation of the Constitution. Uh, was partially responsible for the notwithstanding clause, which is now being used against workers and used against uh, um, trans people, right? So he's made some compromises, but he also, uh, in some places, played a positive role. And I think that's the sort of the danger of trying to mix socialism and capitalism, that you end up in these untenable compromises, but definitely a, a, a very interesting figure from uh, Canadian politics. Although I, I would push back that the the only time that the NDP, federal NDP, were a danger of forming a government and winning election and had their best results with Ed Broadbent and Jack Layton, who both um, towed the lines of, um, of compromise and 
doing that. But um, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, uh, he, certainly he, better than um, Kissinger. Oh yes, can we, can we talk? <laughs> can Ill can, about can the we dead? speak ill about the dead there? <laughs> oh, Anthony Bourdain, where are you? Yes. Yeah, well, we'll 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 move on. Um, uh, you know, rest in power um, to those who try to make a difference in a positive way, for sure, um, and to Ed Broadbent's uh, family, friends, and employees, even at the institute. Um, yeah, um, thoughts thoughts with you, and lots of light and love. Um, moving on, moving on. Um, we had Iowa primaries. Um, they were having them. Um, Trump is clearly going to win. Um, I think that was a foregone conclusion, like before this all started. And bizarrely enough, apparently you can have a president in prison, which <laughs> I didn't realize was part of the American reality. Um, uh, so, so Trump, and apparently last I saw polling, he was leading in the swing states. Emma. Now I'm just trying to get my head around a president serving in prison. But um, yeah, I mean, he won Iowa last night with 51% of the voter just a touch. Now, if there is a silver lining, I don't think there is, but if there is, only about 15% of Republicans bothered to come out and vote. Um, now again, it was about minus 1,000 out, uh, so that could have done it. But Maybe that's an indication that the, the Republicans will have a trouble getting their vote out. It was the lowest uh, amount of voters in, in, in decades in Iowa. So hopefully that's a sign um, of weakening of support. But I, again, I, you're right. I mean, Donald Trump depends on the poll you look at. He is ahead in some swing stakes, but it's way early to really um, uh, to make any kind of comment on that. But he has a real path of victory. And um, that is scary in itself. And uh, that's, unfortunately, the, the reality is, we just talked about compromise in politics. Are, are left-wing voters in the United States, are they going to have to make a compromise to their values and vote for Joe Biden? Or are they going to look at an election of Donald Trump? Uh, I guess the choice right now is, do you vote for Biden or do you never vote again? Alex. I think Trump's going to win the nomination, and I think he's going to win the presidency. I, because why wouldn't he? And because where is the enthusiasm for Biden? And, and this is, and the, as the election rolls through, we will be told, yet again, you have to hold your nose and every other part of your body and vote Biden. And that's going to be the overwhelming pressure but as, you know, the, the last election and the one before that and the one before that, saying actually it's the Democrats that create the conditions for the victory of the Republicans and, and, and the far-right Republicans like Trump, right? And as long as we play this game, it will be slowly to the right with the Democrats and, and rapidly to the right with the Republicans, and the d disappointment of the Democrats will create the conditions of the Republicans. We need to break the cycle. There needs to be a Labour Party or a Socialist Party or, or something in the states. And then, and then and the response is, oh, no, but that'll let the Republicans in. And then we're on the same train. It, we need to get off the train sometime. Except right now, uh, in 2024, I can't believe that's the year, but 2024 in the U.S. is 
ultimately like 1932 and 1933 in Germany. It's not the time to start experimenting. It's time to stop a fascist from winning. Because if Donald Trump wins, that'll be the last election the United States will ever have. And I got to tell you, uh, Canada, uh, one word, onchless, because we will not be able to stop this tide. And if the United States turns fascist and turns into a tyrant, they will look at us and our resources and they say, you are now part of us and we will have no way of stopping them. Uh, some interesting uh, talk here on the Radical Reverend Show between Emma Wakelin, um, strategist, <laughs> and Alex Grant, uh, ed, uh, former editor and journalist, and yours truly, Sherry DeNovo, here um, on the Left Left or Leftist panel on the Radical Reverend Show uh, in 2024. Uh, I just have to comment, I'll, I'll jump in here and say that usually when I go to the States, when I just came back from the States, um, I'm always depressed about their media down there, mainstream media. It's even worse than ours, usually, um, because, you know, you get CNN, they have one story and they hammer away at it and you don't know what's happening in the rest of the world. And usually that story is American. This time, I sadly have to report that I miss MSNBC coming back to Canada because MSNBC spends 24-7 attacking Trump. That's what they do. So you got Fox on one side extolling the virtues of, of you know, MAGA, and um, you've got MSNBC. You come back to Canada, you've got a right-wing press extolling the virtues of the right, uh, and then you've got people like the CBC and the Toronto Star trying to be nonpartisan. And so there's no voice out there that's preventing uh, Polyev victory, even though it's the CBC's case, you know that they're going to privatize that first order of the day and that they're going to fire half of their staff. Um, uh, so mainstream media, and of course we are proudly not, we are proudly alternative uh, media here on CIUT and on the Radical Reverend Show. But um, Emma, what about our media? What role should they be playing? Well, the MSNBC exists because a corporation decided that there's money to be made in having an alternative to Fox News. Here in Canada, I mean, we have a population that's less than California. So the the reality is we the the realities of profitability in, in, in broadcasting doesn't exist, so um, it leaves the CBC. And now the CBC is in a precarious situation. Yes, it's always being accused of, of the poly of supporters of being a, this big left-wing organization, but they ultimately they're a public broadcaster, and they, they rely on money from uh, the federal government, and they have to play somewhat neutral. Um, uh, by the very nature of being a public broadcaster and representing all of Canada um, or all of, of those voices. So it's, yeah, it's it's up, unfortunately, we, we to independent um, journalism, which is falling, uh, unfortunately, to the wayside in this, in this country. Alex, media. Oh, media, I, so people should support state. left media. Absolutely support... Uh, uh, left media. I think there's a new initiative called Unrigged uh, that is an aggregator of Canadian left media. And uh, so people Google that Unrigged. Um, and I, I recently had an article uh, debunking uh, Polyev's uh, sort of housing documentary, and that was up on Unrigged. And and the unions. So the, pr the problem is, for, for media to work, you've got to have money. Right? And Who's got money on the left? Well, it really is only the unions. So the unions need to also be supporting unapologetic left media. 
not sort of wishy-washy um, middle-of-the-road liberal media, but it's got to be the same degree of mobilization and anger and refusal to apologize that the right wing has. But let's put the blame where it exists with the billionaire class rather than blaming immigrants or trans people or union members. Talking about trans people, I did want to uh, talk about a couple of things there. Um, while I was away, I, I tweeted and uh, it uh, was my most successful tweet of all time. I think like 4.4 million people saw it and uh, over 100,000 people um, liked it and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what I said was, um, uh, who isn't on Epstein's list? Drag queens who read stories to children in libraries. Um, and thank you, uh, Queer Eye on the Straight Guy, um, for re <laughs> retweeting it in the States. Um, uh, but we are definitely seeing transphobia on the rise. We've seen it legally in the United States and many, and now we're seeing it in Canada. We're seeing um, we're seeing a Saskatchewan, and uh, for example, latest one, um, you know, uh, and using the term gender ideology has come into play even in Polyev's talk, even though he claimed he wasn't going to get on that bandwagon. He's on it now. Um, Emma, talk about that. Well, it, it's um, unfortunately it's it's arithmetic. Um, the the conservatives uh, are united on this front, and unfortunately the left is not. Uh, there are very strong voices in leftist spaces who are very anti-trans. So there there's not a, a united uh, front to protect the the, the voice and the, the the civil rights of trans people, and uh, the conservatives are using that wedge to to foster very uh, harmful and ultimately uh, fatal um, laws and, and policies. Um, one of the things that I just want to give a shout out, uh, Kristen Wong Tam at, at uh, Queen's Park, and please stay tuned to this. I'm going to be amplifying it wherever I can, uh, asking a very simple thing, just to have... Um, to have uh, the government set up um, a committee to look at trans and non-binary health in Ontario. Um, my bill that was passed back in 2012 added trans rights to the Ontario Human Rights Code, and this is spread across the country now, um, but yet um, healthcare is not available to trans folk the way it is to folk who are not trans, who are cisgendered. So, so that needs to be looked at, and that's coming up for second reading at the end of February. So stay tuned. We're going to try to, um, though we don't, <clears throat> I mean, personally, I don't have a lot of hope that the Conservative government's going to do something, but they do have an advisory commission that's supposed to be about LGBTQ plus issues. So, I don't know, we'll we'll see. Um, this wedge is issue that's being used very sadly successfully in the United States, and even here, I had a very yeah. kind of progressive, quotes-unquote, woman in my congregation say, yeah, but what? But shouldn't parents have the right to know their children's pronouns? Alex. Well, if your child, <laughs> yes, if your child is not telling you their pronouns, then the problem is you as the parent. And, 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 the, and these two ex explain that to other parents saying, if a child is hiding from uh, a, your friend, parent friend, there's a reason why they're hiding. Right. Actually, I, I've been uh, getting more into outside. This is slightly personal, but I'd be getting more into sort of like outdoor sports and a lot of people who live in uh, the countryside and people who are progressive on a lot of economic issues, are left wing on a lot of ec economic and union issues, don't meet trans people 
because they, they live in the countryside, out trans people. And, and this is something that people get very afraid about and very confused over. And I've, I've had these conversations uh, with people and I say, how does this affect your life? You've been riled up by some right-wing uh, talking head over something that has almost nothing to do and doesn't affect your rent, it doesn't affect your job, you know, whether uh, trans people have rights. Whereas from the perspective of trans people, that affects everything about them. So just chill, please just chill. You're being deliberately distracted by the right wing where you should be fighting, well, for the rights of people, but also for lower rents, decent union jobs, and things that actually affect your life rather than be distracted. Well, and, and, and the ultimately they're using fear against tra uh, about trans people yeah. in bathrooms and in space. But at the end of the day, Sherry, your tweet is bang on. The, trans women are predominantly the, the people that are getting the, the hate we don't cause we're not in being arrested for for molesting children we're not being arrested for for um uh, being sexual predators that's by the way predominantly uh cis white uh males um uh and uh a great comedian talked about this and and he said you know it, it's ridiculous to think that uh, sexual uh, predators are dressing up as women to go into women's bathroom because the women's bathroom sign is a deterrent to people who are willing to commit sexual assault. I'm destroying the joke, but it's but that's right. Like if if somebody wants to sexually assault someone, a, a bathroom sign is not going to stop them. Um, a trans person just wants to go to the bathroom. They it, that's the end of the. At the end of the day, and, and and I guarantee you that you have shared a bathroom. You may not have known it, but you have shared a bathroom with the trans person. And guess what? They're not popping un underneath the the stalls to take a peek. Um, they're not uh, taking photos of you. Um, uh, the trans people are like anyone else. If they have their phone in the bathroom, they're watching TikToks while they go to the bathroom. Um, that's that's about it. So show show me the the math, and I'll show you that it's almost extraordinarily rare that it that it ever happens and when it does when a trans person does commit uh, a crime you, you can bet that it's going to be front page news on every uh, newspaper across the country true that true that um, so we only have a few minutes left um, you've been listening to the radical reverend show here on CIET 89.5 um, very proudly alternative media um, the only station you'll hear shows like this on these days um, and I've had my um, my you know a team here with Emma Wakelin um, and Alex Grant uh, yours truly Sherry DeNovo uh, coming to you with the left left or leftist panel um, which will be back we've only got a few minutes is there any good news to go into 2024 <laughs> with <laughs> anything good. Any rent, rent is down in Toronto for the last three months. Really? Yeah, so wow. now it's not obscenely expensive. It's just really expensive. Really expensive. <laughs> yes. I, I almost finished my playthrough of Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. A gamer. Um, anything else? Anything else? I mean, I, I do have to say, you know... Um, and we'll go back to the youth. Maybe Riley will maybe give you one of the last words too. Like you can get the microphone up there. Our, our tech, uh, Riley Mormon, on the other side of the glass. Um, uh, you know, what, what? Any good news for for young people in this world? Uh, that's a great question. And <laughs> I'm 
See, I was actually thinking about this. I'm kind of drawing a blank, which is a horrible, horrible feeling. Uh, well, I'll jump in and I'll help you out. That would be And amazing. maybe this could be the last comment of the show. But I think you give us hope, Riley, um, and others out there who are activists, who are getting involved, and not just the young, um, across all generations. Um, time to get active, folks. Time to get active. Time to, you know, um, not sit and just watch TV. Time to um, make your voices heard. And the more we do that, uh, hopefully the more we swing the results that we see on television. So there, there you go. Um, love to hear your comments. Always happy to, to uh, respond and keep listening. Radical Reverend says goodbye for now.
Dr. Mouth's Rock and Roll Lunch Party.